You're listening to The Maastricht Diplomat. Hi, I'm Chiara, and this is the second episode of the podcast series of The Maastricht Diplomat called Crooktocracy. There are various different forms of government in the world. There's democracy, aristocracy, technocracy, and crooktocracy. Crooktocracy is the government of the crooks, of thieves, of corrupted representatives pursuing their own interests and using public money for personal gain. Maybe your country was a crooktocracy in the past, and now, hopefully, it has a better government. Or maybe it is a crooktocracy right now, but you still don't know it. This series is about the biggest corruption scandals in the world and how they have shed a light on those crooktocracies, changing those countries, their future and their image forever. The first episode is called Clean Hands and is about the biggest corruption scandal in Italian history. It has inspired the investigation I will tell you about in this second episode. Today, we will fly all over the Atlantic to discover how Operation Car Wash has impacted Brazil. It's the story of how a small money laundering investigation, which started from a car wash station in Brasilia, changed the Brazilian elections of 2018 and 2022. The next and last episode will be about the 1MDB scandal in Malaysia. But let's talk about Brazil. Operação Lava Jato, or Operation Car Wash, began in 2014 and is considered to be the world's largest corruption scandal. Even though it originated and was primarily based in Brazil, it had ramifications not only in Latin America, but throughout the whole world. In Brazil, it was composed of a total of 141 operations, with more than 1,500 people charged, starting with the initial car wash operation that gave the name to the whole scandal. It is very easy to see why the Brazilian system is so vulnerable to corruption. In Brazil, parties compete on three levels, federal, state, and city, and none of them is usually strong enough to secure a majority. As a result, parties are constantly looking for funding, not only for ongoing campaigns, but also to form coalitions with other parties. Appointing executives at state-owned enterprises is a simple way to find that money. Lava Jato fascinates me not only for its size, but also for its lights and shadows. Does the noble intention to fight corruption justify a dubious method of investigation? Is corruption acceptable if it aids in the adoption of policies that reduce poverty, benefit society as a whole, and would otherwise never have seen the light of day? But let's start from the beginning. In 2008, long before the start of Operation Car Wash, Hermes Magnus, a Brazilian businessman, was looking for investors for his company, Duneo Industria e Comercio, which manufactured machinery and certification equipment. He made contact with Alberto Giuseppe and three other men, but he immediately sensed something fishy about them. He suspected they were attempting to launder money through his company and reported them to federal authorities. The federal police quickly discovered that the four men were duleiros, black market money dealers, which are very common in Brazil, and that they had been using a network of car washes and gas stations to launder money from criminal activities, allegedly since 1997. That's where the investigation's name comes from. 
Alberto Yusefi, who had a history for money laundering and embezzlement, but had always avoided prison, was wiretapped, thanks to Hermes Magnus' tip. In 2014, six years later, the police discovered that Yusefi had received improper payments from companies that had won contracts at Petrobras, Brazil's state-owned oil company. More importantly, the wiretap recorded a conversation in which Yusefi stated that he had purchased a Range Rover Evoque as a bribe for Paulo Roberto Costa, a former Petrobras director. This was a watershed moment for Operation Car Wash. Up until that point, the investigation had focused on doleros like Alberto Yusefi, and it was the connection with Paulo Costa and Petrobras that took the investigation to the next level. When Costa was arrested, he agreed to a plea bargain, a reduced sentence in exchange for his aid in the arrest of more important figures. Costa confessed and described the corruption scheme. The company's executives would decide who would win which contract and inflate their prices in secret meetings with an illegal cartel of contractors. In exchange for these contracts, the contracting company agreed to transfer a portion of each agreement, a sort of tax of 1% to 3% to secret slush funds. Approximately $2.1 billion were distributed in this manner, first to Petrobras executives and then to the politicians who appointed them, primarily to fund their campaigns. The main car wash investigations were carried out by the federal police of Curisiba, the capital of the southern state of Paraná. Sergio Moro, the star but also the most divisive figure in car wash, served as the presiding judge. He aided the prosecutors greatly by authorizing pretrial detention, a rarely used measure, and by denying bail to the defendants, preventing them from abusing their privileges and escaping prison. However, if inmates did not cooperate, they were denied television or exercise time. Unsurprisingly, almost all of them broke sooner or later. However, this was not the only way in which he helped the prosecution. Before we go forward with the story, we need to take a step back and give some background on two of the most important personalities implicated in car wash. Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva and Dilma Rousseff. Lula, as he is commonly known, was a steel worker, union leader and founder of the Workers' Party, or PT. He ran for president in 1989, 1994, Everything Lula had ever fought against was represented by this party, the establishment and the oligarchy of Brazil. However, as Lula himself said, if Jesus came to Brazil, he would have to make an alliance even with Judas. This alliance, however, was built on shaky ground. The Mensalau scandal, which emerged in 2005, revealed that the PT had bought votes in order to secure this majority. This is not unusual in Brazilian history. Because voting is compulsory, many poor people, particularly in the northeastern part of the country, are willing to sell their votes even for a small amount of food. As despicable as this is, it allowed Lula to accomplish a lot in his first term. 
such as introducing the social welfare program Bolsa Familia. This policy gave poor Brazilian families $30 per month if they ensured that their children attended school and were vaccinated. During Lula's first term, this contributed to reducing poverty by 27.7% and triple the number of Afro-Brazilians enrolled in universities. Another well-known policy is Brazil Sem Fronteiras, which allowed many Brazilians to study in other countries, including Europe. Nowadays, it is a luxury that only the wealthy can afford. These policies helped to keep Lula's image clear enough for him to be re-elected in 2006. Dilma Rousseff, the second protagonist, was Lula's successor in office in 2010. She too was forced to maintain the alliance with the PMDB, appointing its leader, Michel Temer, as vice president. Dilma's administration ran into trouble in 2013 when, as a result of some failed moves and a global fall in energy and oil prices, the Brazilian economy entered a recession and her popularity plunged. To try to recover, she passed some anti-corruption measures, such as the introduction of the plea bargain for the first time in the country's history. As Paulo Costa's case demonstrates, this measure will be critical for Lava Jato, allowing confessions from executives who would not have cooperated otherwise. But now, back to our story. Although Dilma was re-elected for a second term in 2014, many investigated politicians and businessmen were dissatisfied because she had done nothing to stop car wash. As a result, they were ready to do anything to impeach her and remove her from office. 37 impeachment requests had been filed by September 2015. With the economy still in a slump, Dilma was forced to break campaign promises and implement austerity measures. In addition, Petrobras was ordered to suspend its contracts, including those with the biggest construction company in Latin America, Odebrecht. The ongoing car wash scandal only exacerbated the situation. The end result? In only two years, unemployment doubled, over 4 million Brazilians fell into poverty, and Rousseff's approval rating fell to 9%. Unrest, protests, and demonstrations started to grow, becoming more and more violent. However, the true tipping point in car wash came only in 2016. On March 4th, Sergio Moro authorized the police to detain and question Lula for allegedly accepting a beachfront triplex apartment as a gift from a company involved in car wash. The warrant was leaked and photos of Lula were taken as if he were being arrested, despite the fact that he had not even been formally charged. About two weeks later, Gilma appointed Lula as her chief of staff. This brought her government to its knees, as many believed the move was made to protect him from the prosecution. Soon after, a conversation between Gilma and Lula was intercepted. Even though Moro had ordered the prosecutors to tap Lula's phone, he released the conversation to the media before formally charging him. Hello. Hello. The only suspicious part of the conversation was Gilma offering to send Lula a copy of his appointment in case of necessity. For some, this sentence didn't mean anything. For others, it was proof of her intent to protect him. This conversation polarized Brazil. Millions of Brazilians took to the streets to protest, but for different reasons. 
Some demonstrated against Jilma, Lula and the Workers' Party, using inflatable balloons of Jilma and Lula dressed as inmates and brooms to represent the need for a massive corruption cleanup. Protesters even created a song to invite people to protest. had ended the leaked conversation by greeting Jilma with Ciao, querida. Bye, dear. A sentence that the protesters would use to call for her impeachment. The other half of the Brazilian population saw the accusations and leak as a plot to destroy Jilma, Lula and his reforms. Lula, guerreiro do povo brasileiro, was their slogan. Lula, fighter of the Brazilian people. In the end, a Supreme Court judge suspended Lula's nomination as chief of staff, seeing that as an attempt to obstruct Lava Jato. Not surprisingly, the call for Dilma's impeachment, which began in 2015, gained more and more momentum. The real reason for her impeachment was that she had not protected politicians from car wash. They couldn't, however, impeach her for her ethics. For this reason, the request was based on a technical infraction she had committed during her first term, delaying the transfer of funds to public banks to cover budget gaps, which Brazilian law prohibited. Her critics claimed she was attempting to plug deficit holes in popular social programs in order to be re-elected in 2014. Eduardo Cunha, the speaker of Brazil's lower house and a member of the PMDB, was initially opposed to her impeachment. However, after becoming one of the car wash's main targets and not being protected by Gilma or the PT, he granted one of the many impeachment requests against her in retaliation. The issue was not whether she had moved the funds or not, because she had, but whether it constituted a valid basis for impeachment given that many other governments before hers had done the same, albeit not to the same extent. Because of how the media and her opponents framed the issue, the public believed Dilma was being impeached for corruption rather than poor accounting. O Brasil agora sabe que Lula e Dilma são os parteiros da corrupção institucionalizada. As a result, despite the fact that some of her opponents reluctantly admitted that the case was weak, Two-thirds of Brazilians supported her impeachment. The lower house voted in favor of her impeachment on April 17, 2016, with more than two-thirds of the votes cast. And the Senate then confirmed this decision and suspended her. Dilma Vana Rousseff cometeu os crimes de responsabilidade, ficando assim acusada, condenada à perda do cargo de presidente da República Federativa do Brasil. She was effectively removed from office on the 31st of August, 2016. It was the second impeachment in Brazilian history. 
only two weeks after Dilma's impeachment and shortly after announcing his intention to run for office again in 2018, Lula was accused of being the mastermind behind the corruption scheme exposed by Lava Jato. He was charged because, as president, he was close to several people who were arrested during the investigation. However, the actual accusation was linked back to the triplex apartment for which he had been questioned. After two years of investigation, the prosecution had no clear proof that Lula had legal ownership of the triplex apartment, but they saw this as evidence that he was concealing his effective ownership of it. Boa tarde a todos. Obrigado mais uma vez pelo interesse de vocês no caso. His accusation was broadcasted live on television with the head prosecutor Dalton Dalagnol presenting a PowerPoint to illustrate his case. Apresentar em cinco slides apenas alguns números que são bastante interessantes sobre esse caso. Lula was written in a blue bubble surrounded by 14 other bubbles containing everything from Lula's reaction and expressiveness to illicit enrichment. Arrows connected all of the bubbles to the central Lula bubble. The presentation was widely interpreted as evidence of the weakness of the case against Lula. Nevertheless, Sergio Moro sentenced Lula to nine and a half years in prison two months later. His case was heard in the Court of Appeals, where the sentence was increased to 12 years. Six months before the election, Lula was leading with 31% of the votes, followed by Jair Bolsonaro with 15%. On April 4, 2018, the Supreme Court assembled to decide whether Lula should remain free until his appeals were exhausted and thus be allowed to run for office. Lula's appeal was denied by a vote of 6 to 5, and Moro ordered him to surrender within 24 hours. When the deadline passed, the police were forced to arrest him. But our story does not end there. Vazajato broke out in June 2019. Vaza is Portuguese for leak, and Vaza Jato is a wordplay for car wash leaks. The Intercept Brazil published three articles containing conversations between Lava Jato prosecutors and presiding judge Sergio Moro. Many disturbing elements emerged. First, there was evidence that Moro had collaborated closely with the prosecutors for more than two years, providing strategic advice and informal tips providing them with advanced knowledge of his decisions and offering constructive criticism on prosecutorial filings. Second, the leaks revealed the car wash prosecutor's explicit desire to prevent the Pete and Lula from winning the election of 2018 and evidence that they took steps to achieve that goal. This confirmed the suspicions of many Lula supporters that this entire arrest was politically motivated. In particular, Moro was exposed for having secretly and unethically cooperated with car wash prosecutors to help design the case against Lula, despite the fact that he was legally required to judge the case as a neutral arbiter. Moro's actions clearly crossed the ethical lines that define the role of a judge. Just days before filing Lula's indictment, the chief prosecutor expressed growing doubts about two key elements of the case whether the triplex apartment was actually Lula's and whether it had anything to do with Petrobras and thus car wash. Without the latter, the Curitiba prosecutors would have to hand over the case to the Sao Paulo police because of lack of jurisdiction. More seriously, if it could not be proven that the triplex belonged to Lula, 
the case would collapse, because that was the key ingredient in proving he acted corruptly. From the start of Lava Jato in 2014, the prosecutors, but even more Sergio Moro, were regarded as heroes, liberators, and saviors. Moro's use of the media, which included turning Car Wash into a reality show by sensationalizing every arrest and leaking many conversations and meetings, greatly helped in keeping the public on his side. Many other Brazilians, however, saw the prosecution and Moro as enemies of democracy, accusing them of abusing their positions to pursue their own political interests, particularly after Lula's conviction. These accusations have only grown since the Intercept leaks were published. Jair Bolsonaro, do PSL, está eleito para presidir o Brasil pelos próximos quatro anos, como as pesquisas indicaram a With Lula out of the game, as you certainly know, the 2018 elections have been won by Jair Bolsonaro. He is a retired army captain who praised the military regime and stated that the army is the grandeur of democracy. Little by little after Lula's arrest, his approval continued to grow until he became the hero and redeemer more than Sergio Moro. After being elected, Bolsonaro established a new governmental position, a sort of super justice minister, to oversee an agency with powers over law enforcement, surveillance and investigation, which had previously been spread across multiple ministries. And guess who he appointed as super justice minister? Sergio Moro. A Supreme Court ruling in April 2021 overturned Lula's conviction on procedural grounds. The court determined that the Curitiba Police Department lacked jurisdiction over his case. With no current convictions, he could run again in the 2022 elections against Jair Bolsonaro. Lula was elected president of Brazil for the third time with 50.9% of the votes. To sum up, Operation Car Wash showed the world that democracy in Brazil was not as solid as it appeared. Despite having emerged from a dark past, it had not achieved full democracy. We could say it got stuck in a cryptocracy that started to be exposed with Paulo Costa's arrest in 2014 and culminated with former President Lula's conviction. This scandal, however, is very different from the one we previously discussed, clean hands. Car wash is far more controversial. The intercept leaks raise questions about the prosecutions and even more about Sergio Moro's work. He crossed the line several times and his actions attracted criticism from all over the world, including the United Nations. The fact that his goal to prosecute the corrupt was honorable does not justify the unfair and unethical methods he used. Despite his claim that the prosecutors of clean hands inspired him, Carwash ultimately resembled a witch hunt in some ways. Another question that Lava Jato raises regards Lula. Although there is no proof that Lula is connected to the Lava Jato scandal, his party was the main one implicated in it, and it had previously also been crushed by the Mensalao scandal for buying votes to secure a majority during his first term. The PT, which was elected on the promise of fighting corruption, became untangled in the web of corruption that is Brazilian politics, just like all the other parties. At the same time, during Lula's first term in office, Brazil made significant progress. 
Bolsa Familia was a revolutionary policy that lifted millions out of poverty. Brazil became the seventh largest economy in the world, despite the 2008 financial crisis. And when Lula left office in 2010, his approval rating was 87%, making him one of the most popular politicians on the planet. This contradiction raises the question of whether it is justifiable to some extent that all of this was accomplished also through corruption. What do you think? Was corruption inevitable? Was it a price worth paying? This was Car Wash, Brazil, the second episode of Cryptocracy, a series about corruption scandals from all over the world. Let us know your comments and opinions on all our social media accounts. A special thanks to Rafaela for her precious help. I'm Chiara. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And stay tuned for the next and final episode about Malaysia. Até próxima. Ciao. The music for this episode has been produced by Stone Ocean. This episode has been produced and recorded by Chiara Vilta. Edited by Chiara Vilta and Jonathan Vijay Ratna. Audio technician, Sharar Abdullah.